Okay, and a very warm welcome to Cattle Sports 2.0. I am Alan Moore, and we're, I'm going to go quickly around the houses to say hello to everybody because we have a mega packed and fast paced show this evening. So I'll go from uh, bottom left to Andy Mack. Andy, how are you doing? Very well, thank you. And I'll go then to, I was going to say the pig in the middle or the lady in the middle. I'm going to go straight away to East Cold Cody. East, what are you doing? I was doing better before that introduction. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Well, I guess I'm keeping up with this kind of like animal reference because usually I call you the legal eagle. So, <laughs> so I'm so sorry. It's been a long day. I really apologize. Andrew Flint, very well, welcome. Well, warmer than Esau's welcome. So, uh, otherwise, thank you, yes. <laughs> no, it was a warm welcome, it was out of respect. Listen, um, and Alex B is going to join us now in just a moment as well. So, I'm going to go straight away. Uh, leagues are lining up to get back on stream. We're starting off then Liberia, of course. Uh, most of the major leagues are are due to start within the next uh, two or three weeks. Um, in fact, uh, this coming weekend, um, in a week's time, we should have Portugal should be up and running. That's due to start on Saturday, I think it is. Uh, Denmark um, is looking to start again soon as well. Um, and I think, um, interestingly, Spain and Italy, two of the two of the worst hit countries during this crisis, they are on track as well. Um, Spain, the president of the Spanish association, uh, uh, Javier Tebas, I forget his first name, sorry, um, he has even said that he's willing to get games on every day of the week, obviously on a staggered basis, but to cram the fixtures in as quick as they can. But 8th of June, they are penciled in for. I've uh, got Italy a few days after that, 13th of June, they're um, hoping to start. It's still pending approval, as far as I understand, from the Italian government. Um, English clubs are still hoping to, well, Premier League at least, is uh, hoping to restart in June. And some, of course, the talk about training is the hot topic at the moment with Troy Deeney and N'Golo Kante, are two names that are at the forefront of this, saying they're not comfortable going back in for various family reasons, pre-existing health conditions. Um, but it's not weird. We don't have a definite date yet, but it is penciled in for the next um, three or four weeks, hopefully. Okay. And we know uh, Russia, of course, is starting on June 23rd. Uh, Andy, it just brings me back to uh, Ibar and the issues over, you know, basically how they were told that it's the safest go down to buy a bag of crisps in the shop. But we've already seen today, as you brought up before we went on air, the issue with uh, players coming back in, maybe not 100% fit, maybe carrying a bit of weight, maybe having... Yeah, it seems like there's been a few a few big injuries already quite early. João Felix, uh, Atletico Madrid's picked up quite a serious injury already. Um, the, the big one being reported in Italy today was a concern over Zlatan Ibrahimovic, who limped off uh, almost in tears. I think Sky Italia described him as having a long face. I mean, he has quite a long face anyway. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it sounded very bad. Apparently, he was trying to put weight on his calf muscle and was almost in tears with the pain. And they reckon that's probably linked to a, a ruptured Achilles tendon, which could, you know, at the age of 38, uh, could spell the end of any swan song that he might have been picturing at Malmo or back home in Sweden at some point in the next year, if, it, if it's that serious. And that and was obviously, his plan. That was his plan, as you said, that he was yeah. going to try and have one or maybe two seasons in, in Sweden around the age of 40 to finish off. So that, that's okay. Isolt, um, one thing that has concerned a lot of people is the position of women's sport, especially professional team sports. Uh, you know, a lot of people say it's been kind of neglected, put on the side. We've seen here in Russia, Alexander Zotov sees huge issues 
uh, around the funding of it, a lot of teams starting to fold up because they are now just like, uh, need, uh, I can't say needless ways, they're basically extra expenses that are never going to make money back. And we found out today that the Women's Super League in England has just been cancelled. Um, without that much fanfare, they wouldn't do that with the English Premier League, though, would they? They wouldn't. And I suppose what's interesting about that is they're still in a position where while they've cancelled both that and the championship level, they're also yet to determine what the position will be with promotion and relegation. So obviously the big issue is Champions League uh, positioning because as they closed, Man City were leading. Uh, but they're only three points now. I could be wrong on that tier of Chelsea and Chelsea have a game in hand. So they put, essentially, I think the impression we get from the top teams, because Man City and Chelsea have already spoken out, um, in particular, Chelsea, or Man City's manager has already said, look, we understand the concerns for player welfare, um, but they basically, once they're getting their Champions League positions, that's okay. But what if you're in relegation? position what's going to happen or in promotion in the lower league the big issue i see is that the fa can't have differing standards and then say it's about player welfare are the men not equally entitled to the same treatment and the reality is the fa aren't going to work out to keep the women's competition going they're not going to there will be clubs who will fold in the men's competition, but they're not going to be in the higher echelons. Uh, Andy Mack, of course, I'm just going to back to you on that because there were one of the clubs, and I've just blanked their name in the second tier, I think it was, it wasn't Mouscron in either Holland or Belgium, who took a court case because they invested so heavily, heavily and they said, well, if they're not going to be promoted, they're going to sue the crap out of the uh, organisation. Remember that one? Um, they were miles clear in the second division in Holland um, and Can had go. heavily invested... Obviously, they'd been in the Eredivisie not that long ago, decided to gamble on getting back in the season, had done an impeccable job in a very difficult league to get out of as well, um, based on the money that they would be getting in. But obviously now, TV money for, for those, I mean, for the lower leagues now in across all of Europe, uh, and I think even for the top flights, the TV deals are going to be lower. Um, there'll be fewer gate receipts, potentially even zero gate receipts for all of next season. Um, so a lot of these clubs will be, you know, having spent perhaps quite heavily or more so perhaps in January thinking that they were going to push on, um, will we'll be in serious trouble. Um, I was just messaging in as well that uh, there's rumours at the moment in Scotland that the Championship League 1 and League 2 uh, may be forced to just release all of their players from contracts next season and it will only run as the Premier League. I think one thing we need to be conscious of is as well contracts. That's a big issue in terms of not just players, managers. What if you have a manager whose contract is running to an end? Or what if you have bonuses linked to promotion, relegation? The league comes to an end, but you're primed to go up. What's the position there? And unless things have been very specifically worded to cover off this, these sort of circumstances or a force majeure, you're going to have people who are looking for their money or asking the question. And you could find a lot of clubs end up in protracted battles with managers or players that ultimately lead to difficult relations going forward, even if they continue to work together. That's a very good point, Issa, that you've made, because we, we can bring that very close to home to a club that we, we, we've all been at here, Lokomotiv Team Moscow, who let their 70-year-old 70 70 year plus manager go 
bring a new manager before the season restarted. Now, if they qualify for the Champions League, I'm sure that he will have had a bonus for that. Or, you know, there's always something that, that like, or for they're in second place in the league now with Lokomotiv. Um, now, league's restarting. Uh, going to bring Alex B in on this. Are you out on the golf course um, or with Lance Armstrong? No, bo- both. Why not both? Yeah. But you're definitely out of the closet, out of Scotty Pippen's closet. No, no, I wasn't sticking around there for too long. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the rumors are abounding, and they're not rumors now, they're actually a proposal that the NBA, in some way, shape, or form, is going to finish the season this year uh, <laughs> in Disney World in Orlando. What do you know about that, Alex? Uh, well, they're actually in talks right now. There hasn't been, well, they're still like meeting, they're still discussing this, but so far, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen like somewhere in the Disney World area in Orlando and all the NBA players are going to be staying in Orlando together. And that's what I actually thought was the most, was the craziest thing about this because they're going to have the entire league there together. So some tampering is obviously bound to happen because the NBA is kind of known for players just meeting up together in their spare time and just discussing where they like, if they want to team up like in the future and that's, that's how we have the Brooklyn Nets with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. That's how we have Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, who they agree that they're going to meet up on whatever team they end up on. And um, I th- so I think there's a lot of that going to be happening. But aside from that, uh, late July we're going to have the we're going to have it all back. And um, they're building. They have three basketball courts, out of which two are going to be used for games on a day-to-day basis, and the other one is going to be used for practice. And Disney World has agreed to build more basketball courts if they need to have that. But it's all it's all going to be uh, it's going to be pretty much like Fight Island. They're going to monitor everything because it's it's a private property, so there's less ins and outs. So they're not gonna there's going to be like no people walking in that don't have any that shouldn't be there. So and of course they're going to have to move all the personnel, like you know from. Masseurs to doctors, physios, water carriers, towel washers, everyone is going to have to go and live on the complex. Is that correct, Alex? I don't think it's going to be on the complex. I think they're all in hotels in the city. So I don't think they're all like marooned in there together, which would have been bad, obviously. Like if all of those, because that's thousands of people, there's like at least. 500 players like more or less going to like going to be there and that's just not even counting like the coaches all the personnel so no i think they're going to be staying in hotels because i'm just thinking of a brilliant plot line for a movie with nicholas cage sean connery of course john travolta basically that these like uh kind of weird terrorists oh, actually you'd have to have denzel washington in it and he's like a sort of yes. a retiring coach or, or he's a security guard Basically, that these terrorists yeah, yeah. Just, like get, get off my plane, kind of. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah. You know, and, and sort of like there you go. Harrison Ford is the is the president, and basically the the terrorists take over the whole Disney World complex, seal it up, and say, right, yeah. we're kill one basketball player, you know, every hour until we get paid. Listen, Alex, who would you who if you had if you were standing there going, who would you have to shoot first if you were a terrorist? Which basketball player? If I was a terrorist and I had to shoot a basketball player, yeah. <clears throat> wow. I would have to say Zaza Pachulia. He played for the Golden State Warriors in 2017 and he was known for it because he jumped on Kawhi like on Kawhi Leonard and he like landed 
on he landed badly on him while he was trying to block it or something and he got Kawhi Leonard got injured for a year and that's how the Golden State Warriors won because they were losing that game but as soon as Kawhi got injured they lost the series I feel a moral obligation to contact that man now based on the detail you just went into, Alex. (laughs) I I, I see, you know, Alex, I would get rid of your laptop right away. I'm serious, get rid of your laptop. (laughs) I know you've got plans, maps, drawn up. You you asked the question, I just answered it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, lucky, Alex, you're very lucky. we have a lawyer. We have a lawyer with us. So, if if she chooses to uh, send you, she send you. I I'm, not, say, I'm not saying I would, but if I was in that situation and I had to, that's who I would go to. <laughs> also, I, you I know, thought you know what I was... love about all this. No, I don't know what's worse. Whether Alan proposed it, the fact we have a lawyer present, or worst of all, that Alex B is genuinely putting serious thought, trying to push through. No, no, let me say which player I would take out. I, I well, just am, am, I, am I on here? <laughs> I would have assumed well, it be should fair, have been mate. a current player that was in Alan's fictional scenario in Disney, not a player like that's kind of like me going, I'm going to pick someone who's not in the fictional film in Disney and decide I'm going to murder them. It's a little bit more worrying. <laughs> yeah. Andy, over to yeah, you. Someone from Looney Tunes might have been a little bit better there. Yeah, I mean, look, Andy, if you had to shoot a Rangers player, past or present or future, who would it be? <laughs> I'm not going to answer that. <laughs> I, think, I think Andy Mack's answer there depends on a different well, factor in that scenario, which we better not go into. But. Although, to be honest, I mean, Alfredo Morelos goes down like he has been shot, so I wouldn't actually have to fire the gun. <laughs> <laughs> Just All think right. of this as capital punishment with higher stakes. Now we're going back onto Biaslan. I like it, Alex. I like no, it. no, no, no. Don't, don't, don't get Alan started on chess again. No, it's, it's, <laughs> no, it's, it's chess. a downward slope. No. <laughs> anyway, look, look, but if if they put those chess rules into the NBA, then I feel like the Utah the, the Utah Jazz would have had at least one championship. <laughs> <laughs> Give or take. That's my theory in the last dance. To Michael Jordan, listen, we're going to shoot your kids uh, if you don't lose this game. He's still going to win the game because he's a leader and a winner. Look, but but John Stockton was a family man. He had he had his van. He would bring his whole family there. He would he would have put like his kids in the stands, and then he would go and play basketball. I'm so but, glad. So that the you Utah Jazz lie. would have some championships here. Yeah, at least one. Is that because his kids would be safe, or because he, 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 I feel like he would want to keep them safe? He looks like a very nice man. <laughs> okay, yeah, they're always the ones to watch out for. <laughs> so, I feel like so that would just enhance I mean, his I mean, basketball. Andy Max making this signal, which most people would understand, means just you know kill the line of conversation. But I know, then it occurred to me Not that the if children. you see that Not signal, the children. <laughs> yeah. all right, they're encouraging me. Come on, let's go for it. No, because Esau, we, ha- we did have a very long and in-depth discussion, which sadly um, didn't record <laughs> about how we could actually spice up the likes of biathlon and other sports. So, Alex, uh, of course, over in the States, people were busy looking at golf. There was a, a, a foursome for well-known famous men playing golf against each other. But also some other news as well that we're going to cover first, and that is something that seems, if not immoral, maybe illegal, but I guess it's good business for the head of WWE, of course, Vince McMahon. What's happened with the XFL, which we were told was dead and buried? 
All right, so the XFL went bankrupt a month ago. Now uh, Vince McMahon is planning on buying it back once the coronavirus pandemic ends. Right now he's coming off a lawsuit of the XFL commissioner, Oliver Luck, doing him for $23 million. Vince McMahon says that kind of he left himself and he he's suing him back. And so there's all this stuff going on. So... With all this, I don't think that there's going to be a return anytime soon. No, we have because of course the XFL was the spring football league, um, American football league, that uh, always spring football in America has had, you know, not great results. When the USFL came in to try and do it many many years ago, it was going well for the first season and a bit. They got some very good players in, threw money at it, but then suddenly it started to go bad especially when they went up against the NFL. And one of the people who caused that, of course, was Donald Trump. The XFL, what it seems to be Vince McMahon, not him directly, but one of his companies, put it into receivership, into bankruptcy. Now he wants to buy it back at a lower price without having to repay, of course, all the debtors, uh, or creditors, I should say, including Stadia and players and, of course, the commissioner. You wouldn't get away with that, though, outside of America, or you couldn't get away with it in America, would you? So- no, I think the thing with the XFL is they started in the before they went into liquidation, and I think, Alex, you could probably correct me on this, but it was within a matter of days, they initially laid off all of their staff for a few um, executives, and then they proceeded to, out of the blue, they, I think Vince did an announcement to the effect of, we're, you know, in light of the current situation, we don't know when we'll be back. And then they filed papers in Delaware, which for some reason seems to be a great place to form a company and file for bankruptcy. Essentially, he if he intends to buy it back, one would assume it would be through obviously through a different company. But if it's controlled by the same entities, the same people or the same group of companies, this part of the world, it would certainly not be allowed because essentially you're looking to disadvantage creditors by buying back the company. And if it's gone into bankruptcy, they're not going to be repaid. And you start up afresh. Like when, when a new team comes into town, I feel like it, t- it doesn't take that long for them to settle in because it's a, it's a new team. People are going to start rallying around, especially if it's good. But when it leaves, it's just, well, I mean, we have had when the um, New Orleans Jazz left to Utah, it just made no sense because there's nothing jazzy about Utah. <laughs> It, it, it's, it's quite interesting, though, because in the US that happens quite a lot. But in the terms Rams. of European and, 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 and other sports, you look at Wimbledon and MK Dons. I mean, people just couldn't understand what was going on. People were angry about it. New clubs were being set up to compensate the old ones being moved and disbanded. But in the US, it happens all the time and people get behind it. And still, in, for example, one of the great um, soccer magazines, multi-magazines, which goes when Saturday comes, which both Andrew and myself have written for, it, I mean, they still in their pre-season preview won't put anything in about the MK Dons. I'm not, I'm not saying that I'd, rather, I'd like to see just franchises move all around the place. It's also a business. And you can kiss your badge today playing for Celtic and then go kiss it for Rangers playing tomorrow or for City and United or for Spurs and Leighton Orient I don't know where are you saying that Spurs (laughs) hold on are we saying that Spurs players are likely to end up in Leighton Orient because then we're going on to a whole other issue here (laughs) (laughs) 
what was the movie with <laughs> Kevin Bacon set out in Utah? Are you talking on? about a, bas- a basketball film with Kevin no, Bacon? No, 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 no. It's a movie, but he, he wants to dance. No? Oh, oh, God. No, I don't know. I'm not into Kevin Bacon dancing. <laughs> Playing basketball when he's, he joins that African tribe and takes on somebody. The weirdest film ever. I can't remember the name. Up in the Air, I think it was. That's my, my sort of thing. The air up there. Yeah. The air up there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But uh, Kevin Bacon dancing, he can. Uh, yeah, no, not about. I forget what it was. But the movie. Ah, uh, Footloose. Ah, mm. uh, yes. One of the most iconic films of that era. It has its own <laughs> Sorry, I, I, I moved on to that simply because <clears throat> of um, Alex' mention about um, Utah jazz, and of course. There's no jazz in Utah. He went to Utah. It was a Mormon town, and he decided that he wants to dance, so he had an underground dance. I know, it doesn't matter. The music is... That was a fantastic tangent. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just, I, I've had a hard day. The reason I'm speaking with that, of course, is uh, it's... it's, it's um, talk about, like, with Utah and Mormons, we had, of course... Floyd Landis, one of the, the cyclists who really, <laughs> let's just say, when we saw him riding up the mountain, flying, beating people, and you think, no, no, that's just not right. <laughs> then, of course, when he's riding for Phonak, of course, turns out that he has been using drugs. Now, his former teammate, the guy that he basically shopped, one of the people who helped bring about his downfall, uh, Lance Armstrong, he had his new 30 for 30 part one was on yesterday at the same time as the golf. Uh, Alex, what what do what do people in the the North American sports community think of Lance Armstrong? They know about the whole like doping thing, so that obviously changed a lot of mindsets about him. So if that wasn't the case, then he probably would have been like one of the most celebrated athletes, like on the same level <coughs> as like Michael Phelps in the states. Like, what do you think of him as an athlete? Like, do you, do you still do you think he, he deserves to get a chance or to be listened to? Yeah, I, th- I think I think he should get a chance because I'd like to see, I'd like to see him compete without the steroids and see see how good he is then. <laughs> That's yeah. it. Mike Michael Phelps. Michael Phelps. Okay, Andy, go on. Right. Be. Boy, no, I'm not. I, I'm. I'm not even going to go there. But I'm, I think he's made a good comparison. But probably a very not, good comparison. But, probably, but, but not one to put on a pedestal. A pedestal. Well, well, that 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 probably was uh, what wasn't a bit of IT crowd coming in before he started cycling. <laughs> so basically, uh, you don't believe that Michael Phelps competed clean, Andy? No comment. Next week, mm. I'll, I'll make a comment I, next week. I, I think I think this is a bit of a damp squid issue, Alan. Yeah, very good. That was good. So, um, All right, I'm going to change that statement to slash <laughs> slash Muhammad Ali, whichever one you prefer. I think the best comparison, ego-wise at least, would be probably Lance and Michael Jordan, but and probably in a few other ways. I, no, my, my man was gambling, though. My man was gambling. I don't know. Lance often likes now, he'd be into gambling as well, I think, now. I could be wrong now. I am a massive Lance Armstrong podcast fan. I listen to everything Lance does. Oh, he has a podcast? And, yeah. Oh, he does? Oh, you need to get onto that. Yes, I do. Fantastic. He also has George Hincapie, who was one of his former teammates, as one of his sometimes co-hosts on it. It is an mm. insight into the megalomania, sociopath ways of Lance that I actually love. 
Listen, you have, you have to be that. Um, I, 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 there's no two ways around it. In order to get to that level, to be really excel. Okay, I'm just. Well, let's just talk sports. To excel at sports, either as a coach or as a player, as a competitor, you have to be a sociopath. There's no two ways about it. You, especially a solo sport like that, you have to have that mentality. It's not a team sport. You can look at cycling and say, yes, it's a team sport in the Tour de France, but there's a reason that your teammates are called domestique. Yeah, they yeah. are there to assist you. That is what the entire focus of the sport is. And I think Lance, his mentality, psychotic and all as it is, is correct for someone who wants to be the best at a sport like that. His methods are where the issue arises. Yeah, but but I, I, I'm looking forward to it. We, we, I, I, I agree with you so completely because this is the thing. It's like, if he doesn't, someone else will. If, he, if he's not psychotic in his approach, someone else will be. So yeah. it's, um, I, there was one point in his, his original interview when he first owned up and opened up. I can't remember exactly who it was, but that actually, ironically, was the, the thing that made me join Twitter because I wanted to have an argument with someone about it. And, and he made some point saying that, I mean, it's a fairly open point, that, that Every, everybody, he, he said, everybody's doping. And it's a fairly obvious fact to see um, when you, if you look closely at cycling. He made the point, it's like, well, it's, I, I'm never, I'm never going to be able to compete if I don't dope. And it's, it's, a, it's a terrible moral argument, but it's a very practical, logical argument in the sense that, well, he, he's right. I'm not, saying he's, I'm not saying it's morally acceptable to be right, but, but he is right. Look, I said this before, sitting in the studio, Andy remembers this, and I'm sitting in the studio in RT, and they're, they're talking about, they're talking about Mutko, and Mutko, and Putin, and, they're, and they're, they're asking the question, I'm thinking, well, look, yeah, okay, it doesn't matter who at the top. You can say, no, I don't want to do it, and I'll do it as best I can, to the best of my ability, without drugs, or I want to dope, and take a chance with my mental and physical health, and to be the best. To do that, you, you have to, there has to be a screw loose somewhere. Something's not right. Something's not right in the head for me. So I, I agree it's logical, but I also then would extend it on to say, listen, you, you can also say that's not right. It's even beyond moral. I think it's about like decency. I don't know. I don't know. Andy, talk with you. Do you think, I mean, do, 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 do you think Dominic Cummings and Mo Farrell come forward about the Durham Marathon? Uh, I think I think Dominic Cummings that, that 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 was the best win ever. Making all the journalists wait for an hour and a half, you know, you just wait. That's normal because they're busy. So I I don't see this, but they won everything. People were busy arguing about it, making fun of it, that the air had gone out of the tires by the time the bandwagon had to roll on. So I don't know. It's uh, but Mo Farah, no, Mo is Mo is psychopathic. You know? Mo is worse than Lance. Unfortunately, Mo will never be caught because UCAD will protect him. Whereas when other people get caught with Lance, all of a sudden, House of Cards come down. People will hold out on the sanctity of Mo because unfortunately, him being a knight of the realm and joining such great people as Sir Brad and Sir Dave up there in the honourable realms means that he can never be taken off that pedestal. No. Ever. No, I, I, th- I, I think it is, I think it is a, a situation of where... In America, I do admire the, the major league sports, as bad as some of the issues are. They basically say, right, you get done doping. Now now they have with the new the bargaining agreement for the NFL. You, you only get tested the very first week. The very first week of training can get tested for the rest of the season, have at it. And the main reason they're, they're worried about that, it's not because of performance enhancing drugs. 
it's to do with uh, cannabis and marijuana and rec- what they call recreational drugs. That's what they're worried about because guys are failing nonstop for, for those because of the, what they said is a culture within the sport. Which is now largely legal Again, the US. Exactly, exactly. So the difference is in sports, there will always be things. And I suppose I, I think that is not the area you need to clamp down on. But in sports, there are always going to be things that are legal in sports or illegal in sports and legal in normal life. Like I can go down to my chemist and get every supplement and painkiller under the sun. But if I'm an athlete, I should know better. And I suppose they're probably trying to instill that sense of you should know better. But the problem is what they need to be looking at is the things that will be PEDs in a sport. Exactly. There's 11, as far as I remember, there's 11 types of LEMSIP. Yeah. So like this, like, so anti-flu, anti-cold kind of like uh, stuff you put yeah. into hot water, mix and drink it. Eight of them are okay. Three of them contain bad sub- banned substances. Now they are online. You can just like click, boom, boom, boom. You scan in the bar, like you scan in the the the, mm. the bar, the barcode, and it'll tell you whether you can take it or not in the uh, anti-doping system. You know, I was very worried when coronavirus broke out with the amount of athletes with breathing problems who are so ill mm. and sick that they need all these TUEs and therapeutic. You, you think uh, I can't yeah. post. TUE applications because we're going to hear of people in the first set of tests and they're going to be saying well I wasn't able to get to my doctor or I wasn't able to get a therapeutic use exemption I didn't realize I needed it blah de blah de blah because this is the ideal time for someone to cycle on and off it was very funny Alex you you you'll remember this when uh, I think after winning the the, the playoffs the final game against Utah Jazz Dennis Rodman's walking out I think it was or maybe game six is one that you were discussing the last day uh, when Scotty Pippen had to get all the injections, injections, injections to get him back out into the court for a few minutes at a time. Dennis Rodman right. walking off and saying, yeah, I'm going to be taking lots of illegal drugs. Mm, no, not really, but that seems like something he would do. <laughs> he, well, he like, that, that, that doesn't surprise me in the least. And, and even at that, to get Scotty Pippen out, they were giving him a massage and in, they were telling him they were giving him injections. So he went off a few times. So they're giving him injections to get it. For me, it was like, I, I don't think you guys really want to be shown this. Because you're immediately saying... we're Considering like, it now, there's no excuse for that. No, no. And I, I, I would launch an injection because... Uh, 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 sorry, uh, no objection. I'd launch an investigation into that because <laughs> that's like dangerous. I would object to it, but I would launch an investigation. I you said that. Look, but at the same time, like the Utah Jazz fans, they pretty much made Michael Jordan play under the, it was the flu game, but it was actually food poisoning. And nobody that. said anything. Do you believe that? Uh, the food poisoning story? Yeah. Uh, what's the alternative? Well, listen, <laughs> this, is, this is what we get done with. He, he turns around and he says... They order pizza. They're all sitting in his room. His physical trainer who's worked yeah. with Kobe Bryant and other very, you know, guys who have, he has a very, his trainer has a very unusual background and sort of uh, links with certain people who are now banned uh, from working with athletes. Uh, but they're sitting up in his room before the, the, that game six. And Michael Jordan says, I'm hungry, boys. So he orders a pizza, which is delivered by two or three or a group. At, like, hold Five. On. Five, five was the number that they gave us. In yeah, the, five Utah Jazz guys had them in a pizza. You know, like... Right. And it's like, I heard... Look, and the result of this, like, theory on the internet, uh, apparently there is evidence that 
all, all of them are saying that he spat on the pizza because he had like all his managers there and he said something along the line of you guys weren't there for me. This is this here is mine. Nobody touch it. And he spat on it. Michael, apparently, apparently, apparently he was notorious for doing stuff like that. And <laughs> they, they think that that's actually the reason why he got food poisoning. So hold on, hold on, hold on. His own spit made him sick. Well, that's the, the that's what's been on the internet. <laughs> Alex, you need to not read about five G masts or anything like that in the current climate. I am worried now. <laughs> no, that's that's what that's what I'm saying. That's the only thing we have. So I'm so I believe in the theory that he got poisoned by the jazz fans. <laughs> See, this I is. I think I'll have to send you that picture of Prince where it says, do not believe everything you read on the internet. And underneath it says, Metallica drummer, 2004 to 2009. <laughs> <laughs> I, I immediately think back to stories that Andy Mack has told about his days playing rugby and like about biscuits and so on. Because immediately <laughs> well, I'm just thinking, no, when, when Michael Jordan started saying this, I'm thinking like, hold on. There's not for a second that I believe this, that like he got the pizza. Okay, sp- okay, Alex, you said he spat in his own pizza and said, that's mine. Kids do that. You know, kids do that. They, they lick their, their yeah. and say, do you want it? I mean, I've always wanted Not just kids. Not just Exactly. <laughs> I, sorry, I forgot. I forgot about it. <laughs> Andrew Flint's on salads. Three, three <laughs> types of Hey, hey no, nobody's touching my salad. I don't, I don't need to lick my salad. Nobody else is touching it. <laughs> I was looking at it at, right to the very end of the last part of uh, The Last Dance and Phil Jackson at the ceremony did make mention of Jerry Krause and thanked him for his work and uh, Scotty Pippen then said it at the very end as well like praised him well they, they did acknowledge that he wasn't really like their friend but at the same time he his management style allowed them to do what they wanted he allowed michael Jordan to have the teammates that he wanted to have and have the coach that they wanted to have scotty pippen wouldn't play if it weren't for um the coach staying there so that's been kind of like huge for scotty pippen and dennis rodman yeah that, that's well, it's actually and the whole and the whole team now that i say that but yeah like they they were thankful that he went like against his own plans for the team to allow them to keep doing their thing because they're winning championships. Michael Jordan, in many ways, I think he came out like that. He, he was an absolute amazing athlete, basketball player. And even as he prolonged his career with the Wizards and so on, he was still a very, very good player. But he came out as a very, not a great person. Andrew, you watched it. Would, did you like Michael Jordan? I, I asked Alex this the last time. I, do you like mm-hmm. Michael Jordan more after that or less? Differently, I wouldn't say worse. Certainly, because like like uh, he sort alluded to earlier in the show, that you you can't be the best unless you have that sort of mentality. And I think, I mean, I know it's on camera and it's very hard to get a very accurate assessment. But you saw, for example, Steve Kerr talking, saying, you know, after about the incident when Jordan punched him, said, "Come on, you've got to you've got to push harder, you've got to push harder." Exactly how well it was received or not is open to debate. It probably isn't exactly how we saw it on camera, but I don't, I don't completely disbelieve what Steve Kerr <coughs> was saying on camera, and that's just one example. But I know they probably were told you can't be too, too critical of Jordan on camera, but I, I mean, on the other hand, uh, you could draw up parallels to virtually any sport, and the si- vaguely similar characters. Uh, 
it, off the top of my head in football, I would say, I know it's not exactly the same, but similar in mentality. I'd say Roy Keane at Manchester United. He yeah. wasn't the same type of player and, you know, legendary character um, in the sport as Michael Jordan was. But the, I'm talking about the mentality, the way he was brutally, brutally driven with the likes of yeah, Gary Neville, who was basically... And the standards. Yeah. It does oh. parallel with that sort of mentality. Well, you know, absolutely. And if you ask now the likes of those youngsters, like Gary Neville, Phil Neville, the, the class of 92 lot, what was Roy Keane like as a captain? Not as a person, as a captain, as a leader. To a man, they would say he was the best. And in the end, he won them games. So you asked yeah. about Michael Jordan. Personally, if anything, I'd say my opinion of him went slightly up because... Yeah. You know, he was honest about that side of things. He possibly didn't uncover every dark secret he has, but he was open about how brutal he was, and the others at least did acknowledge it. And in the end, that is part of sport, whether people like it or not. It's not as pretty as, you know, you're led to believe. I did hear a very interesting Irish-based um, comparison with Michael Jordan this week. Georgie Murphy was asked in an interview, he's the Ulster player, um, who he thought was after watching the last dance, who he thought was the most Jordan-esque in the Irish setup, And I think everyone would instantly think Sexton. It's definitely going to be Sexton. Oh, I say Brian O'Driscoll. Hmm? Driscoll, no? No, it was actually Paul O'Connell. And he said the reason was it wasn't about the bullying or the aggression. It was when he looked at the traits of Jordan as an athlete, he went, the standards. And he was like, Paul, you had standards. You lived up to them or else. But there was no maliceness and poorly obviously yeah but i think that's kind of i can see how you could look at it a different way and say jordan is too much in how he behaves and there's a lot of questions that are left unanswered by the documentary and some very questionable editing ultimately the standards could be universally applied across different sports and i thought it was just interesting to hear someone related to paul o'connell who isn't the obvious choice no, no, I other than that ethic even as a captain, I wouldn't have even pegged him. But no, I guess I get when you're in the dressing room with the guy, then you know what he's like. Quick question. We're going to wrap up fairly shortly. So quick question to you. If, if someone, uh, an athlete in, let's say, Ireland or the UK, fails a doping test because they have meldonium, mildronat, found in their system, what would you reckon? I reckon they should be banned. Okay. And how do you reckon it got in there? Would you reckon a contaminated supplement? It, yeah, it could be a pizza from Utah. It could be um, a deep-fried pizza from Glasgow. I, I, I mean, I, I don't think it matters how it's got there. I think if it's found, these people are paid enough and they pay their doctors enough to know the risks of what they're taking and understand what they are taking. And if they can't manage to do that, I mean, it sounds ridiculous. I, I know mistakes can happen you're paid that kind of money in order to avoid those things and therefore and you know you've got dietitians now throughout sports constantly like most of the food that you are eating is prepared by somebody who is aware of what they are doing and has a specific thing that they you know x amount of protein x amount of this x amount of that if you fail it you have to face the consequences regardless i bring that up because it, it was a gaelic footballer from carlo mid-30s who failed because mildred was found in the system he was given a four-year ban and he accepted it without appeal because he said, basically, my career is over because, you know, when I come back, I'll already be too old and I won't be picked on the team. Now, Carlo were not a top-ranked side. They'd be second rank at best. Mildrenat getting into your system. Um, Alex B., you know what Mildrenat is. 
Yeah. Yes, I do. And would, would you ever think... I know of, exactly what that is. What? It's what he's taking it's right a, now. It's, <laughs> a, it's, a, it's a... Yeah. It's a over-the-counter substance, but it's also known for uh, performance-enhancing effects. Does it have performance-enhancing effects, and do people in gyms use it? Yes, it does. It does have performance-enhancing effects, but no, people in gyms do not use it. Now, I've seen it, and I've actually given it to a tennis player. This before his back, mm. first, before it, we knew what it was. It was meant to be help boost the immune system. And I took it across borders and I gave it to her. Produced, of course, in Latvia. Uh, and it's not sold over the counter um, in UK or Ireland. Um, so it was wrong in every account. No, you were correct in every single account. You were correct if you're oh. here in Moscow. No, listen, I walked out of my house with a couple of journalists and we went next door to the chemist and, you know, bought uh, Mildronat, Meldonia Mildronat. Mm. So this guy it's said, always been popular amongst Russian tennis players. Yes, Continues exactly. long after it arrived onto WADA's list. It has been uh, in different gyms around Ireland, especially when there are, let's just say, Baltic uh, trainers, like guys from Lithuania and Latvia. They actually are passing it along to people, saying this will give you a real boost for your workout. It won't just give you a boost. It'll actually help you stay healthy as well. It increases the heart and it's good for cleaning the blood and so on and so forth. When I heard this interview quite recently and they're discussing it on Off The Ball Radio and they just went, we still don't know how it got into his supplements. It's like, no, you don't. No. It doesn't go into the supplements. No, no, no. Like, it doesn't get into your supplements. Let's be clear. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't get into And this is what infuriates me. It's that attitude of saying it's contaminated. No, it isn't contaminated. This is something you took that you may not have checked but it is something you took. And I, I have a huge difficulty with believing someone didn't check what they were taking. And I think he also might have suggested that he hadn't completed the anti-doping program that's, you know, almost optional as far as he's concerned. Whereas the reality is, if you want to play sports at any level, especially, you may only be playing with Carlo, but there are sponsorship deals. There yeah. are other interests. And there's also the perception of the game. Yeah. There's no excuse. And the fact that he didn't fight the ban means not, oh, my inter-county career is coming to an end or I'm at this age, I'm not going to spend the money. The fact that he didn't even offer a decent explanation infuriates me. It doesn't matter who you play with, doping is doping. Yeah. So anyway, thanks to Mr. Andrew Flint. Most welcome. Pleasure as always. Go down underneath him to Andy Mack. Andy, thank you. Thanking you guys. Always a pleasure. Hello, Andy. There's Alex B. Alex, thank you very, very much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Stay away from Utah, Alex. <laughs> yeah. I will. And over on the bright side of the road, Isot, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you very much and happy Lance Day. Happy, happy Lance Day as well. So, folks, we're going to go away on this Monday evening. We'll be back later on in the week. And uh, take care and stay tuned to Cabin Sports 2.0.